The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. After a week of doom and gloom, the Ravens... 2-0. Does this team have something? This week on Pod Like a Raven. So if you listened to us last week, it was Tim and I in the booth. Pretty disappointed and sad about a victory, a convincing win. At home to kick off the Ravens' NFL season. It's a different mood this time on the pod for a couple of reasons. Not just because I have a new, not a new, a different co-host this week going solo with me, and that's in Jace Evans, but also, Jace, because it's a convincing win against a much better team on the road. The Baltimore Ravens 2-0 already have a win in Cincinnati. How are we feeling this week? Uh, we're feeling great, Antonio. Uh, we're feeling fired up, much like John Harbaugh was uh, after this game. He was about as fired up as I've seen him in a long time. But, I, you know, I was right there with him. I was yelling. I was I was wooing uh, here in the uh, in the apartment. Uh, it was a huge win. And, and yeah, like you said, it, it was one of the most satisfying in a long time, um, certainly. Uh, and, yeah, and hopefully, you know, this – you win a game like this, it means you'll never have to come back to Cincinnati this year <laughs> after week two. So, yeah, it was great all around. And, and, and I think uh, one of their, their best performances in a long time, and we'll get into it, one of Lamar Jackson's best performances in, in quite a while, which I think made it all the more exciting. But, yeah, just I was, I was fired up right there along, alongside Harbaugh uh, and the gang. want to mention uh, quickly that Tim Horsey cannot be with us this week. Uh, Hopefully he'll be back. Well, hopefully next week we will have more positive things to talk about because he and I really just, boy, we had to we had some things to get through last week. But uh, <laughs> he is at a, a bachelor party celebrating a, a good friend and a, a listener of the show, Garrett Smith. So uh, congratulations to uh, to Garrett, um, and we'll have Tim back next week certainly. But for now, Jace, Ravens twenty seven, Bengals twenty four. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to bookend this with two drives, and then you you go you go where you want to go, because there's a lot of positive things to talk about, and I'm starting with the first drive of the game, a drive to remember. Um, everything that the Ravens want to be, quite frankly. 13 plays, 75 yards, 8 minutes off the clock. Wide receivers are involved. The Gus bus is chugging, going station to station. Mark Andrews back in the lineup making plays. They quieted the crowd. They set the tone. They're up a touchdown in the first quarter. They never trailed in this game after you know with this first drive. Um, and it's just this is what this offense can look like every single drive. And they were in complete control. Um, you know, no penalty. I don't think there were any penalties offensively on that drive. Lamar comfortable. The offensive line solid. Just so many good things on that first drive. And then the second drive that I want to bring up is the last drive of this game. Everything that the Ravens have been <laughs> and want to hang on to as well. 
The Bengals cut the lead to 27-24 with three and a half minutes left. The offense needs a few first downs to seal the game. And they do that. They do it comfortably. Lamar takes control with his legs, gets a 12-yard scramble to get one of the first downs. Then they do a few other runs after that to get another first down. And the game is over. No more opportunity for Cincinnati to try to tie the game, or dare I say take the lead uh, (laughs) at the the death. Um, And these two drives for me are just the perfect... They just capture what this team wants to be. You know, a bit of the old and then some of the new to have a dynamic, uh, you know, and and dare I say explosive offense. Oh, absolutely. And and like you said, just absolute tone setter out of the gate. That was wonderful to see. And just, you know, uh, I I didn't get to watch last week's game live. So this was sort of the the beginning for me. And I sort of, you know, I watched the highlights, obviously, but I... After hearing you all speak last week, I did listen to the podcast, and I, was, I thought, well, this seems a lot better than <laughs> what they were all talking about a week ago. Uh, so to just sort of see them kind of hit the ground running this week was encouraging. But I, I'm with you. I, I thought that said the, the, the last drive was even more impressive, honestly, than, than the opening drive, just like as a way to just close out the game. Perfect four-minute drill, basically. It's 3.30, right, the last three and a half minutes of the game. Uh, and the other reason I thought it was so huge, uh, Antonio, was because the Ravens' previous drive uh, before they get this ball a final time was a three and out when they had a chance to really put the dagger in. They were up twenty-seven to seventeen. Following up the Bengals' own, the Bengals had a three and out of their own. You get the ball back, you immediately go three and out with a drive that was undone by a false start penalty. And it just for me that was a real oh my god, here we go again <laughs> moment. But to get the ball back and just 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 bleed the time out, just end it. They made amends. It was wonderful to see. And, and you kind of mentioned it. Uh, that blend of old and new, I think we kind of saw it in that drive with, you know, uh, two jet sweeps to Devin Duvernay uh, on this. It wasn't just handing it, uh, you know, to uh, Gus Edwards and hoping that they can plow uh, straight ahead. Ultimately, that is obviously what wins it, the final final play. They need one yard, they get five. Wonderful. Uh, But but I thought those jet sweeps were were pretty great. They, They gained, you know, healthy yards and set them up. And then obviously, I mean, all, the big play of that final sequence just uh, looked like they were attempting to pass, couldn't get anything off. Lamar Lamar does what Lamar does, just a 12-yard scramble, right, to, to set up a first down. So it was, it was just it's what you want to see uh, t- to end a game. And, uh, yeah, um, a little white-knuckly, like you said, but not quite as bad as it could have been. <laughs> and that made it uh, all, all the sweeter uh, for me. Yeah, I'm going to bring up a, you know, a dive into the – Pod like a raven text uh, text thread just for for a second here. I'm sorry, Jace, but I have to do it. My favorite text of, of the day, and it must have been uh, after that Ravens three and out that Jace just mentioned. Um, a text from Jace. <clears throat> kind of just wish I could fast forward to the final. Sorry, fast forward the final 15 minutes. See the Bengals 24, Ravens 20 final, and keep it moving. <laughs> Uh, maybe the perfect text that that just kind of ex- describes Jay Evans' emotions uh, during leads for the Ravens, much less when they are behind. But, Jace, that never happened. Uh, no. It was 2017, and the Ravens score a touchdown to make it 27-17. I think that, yeah, that was when you, had, when you had sent that text. So I know you saw some some other positive things to kind of keep you, uh, keep you afloat uh, during your... During your stress. <laughs> yeah, that drive, you just mentioned it. I, obviously, uh, 
was not feeling great uh, once the Bengals cut cut it to 2017. And we'll get more into the, you know, defense, I think. But uh, the Bengals kind of got rolling a little bit in the second half. You know, uh, they have they have probably should have scored on their first drive out of halftime. Burrow gets intercepted. Uh, they do score on the next drive, which is when I then text you about this. Uh, um but but the Ravens answered 12 plays, 75 yards, uh, and, and I, I think for a touchdown, and I think the impressive part uh, on this drive was they get a holding call, one of which they had several on the day, three or four. That's just certainly one of the negatives of the offensive line that we'll get into it. was great overall. Uh, but so they get this negative play, uh, and or they get a holding call. It's first and twenty. They promptly run a play that gets them minus three yards. So you're facing second and twenty-three. You're up twenty to seventeen. And I was like, oh my god, this is how it this is how it happens. But then Lamar he hits Mark Andrews back in the game, twenty-yard gain. You know the security blanket, whatever you want to call him. Uh, <laughs> he he gets twenty-yard gain. Already had scored a touchdown in this game. Uh, and then, you know, they, you go from second and 23 to, uh, third and three Gus Edwards gets four yards and then they just keep chipping away. And then on a third and five, just, uh, you know, we'll get into another pass. That was beautiful. I think this was his prettiest pass of the day though. The touchdown to, uh, Nelson Aguilar, um, just beautiful loft third and five. Uh, and it was the winning points, which, you know, they ultimately needed, <laughs> they needed all 27 points, uh, and, uh, to go up at this point, 27, 17, it was huge. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I just think that drive, that answer, uh, what they needed, I-, I thought, you know, we've kind of mentioned, I think an example of the Munkin offense getting into work, uh, and just, you know, I feel like even in the first half, we see all like before halftime, right? Like, they have two holding calls and have to end up settling for a field goal when they probably should have gotten a touchdown or had chances to get a touchdown right before halftime. Uh, that was kind of disappointing. But to, to, to not like get all, all, like too downtrodden by the second and 23 and dig out of it and then cap it with a touchdown, I just was really impressed with it. And, uh, you know, it's why they won the game. <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't have those seven points, they might not win. That touchdown to Aguilar is... is... Something Lamar Jackson does very, very well, and I'm not sure he gets enough credit for it because we've watched, you know, I think you, I, and and even Tim, we've watched, what, 99% of Lamar Jackson's snaps as an NFL player. So we've seen this enough times to where I think it is something he's doing intentionally. It's not just an accuracy issue, but when he has sort of these intermediate to deeper throws and he's able to take his time with the throw and put exactly the touch that he wants on it, he is so good at almost guiding the receiver away from safety help. And he did that with Beckham against the Texans on the left side, and then it was almost the same throw on the right side to Aguilar, where it looks like Aguilar, you know, he has to adjust kind of to his other shoulder but it's also just drifting him away from coverage. And he Lamar Jackson has done that a lot to the point where I've seen it enough times to not just think, oh, gosh, he can't, he can't even lead him right in the right direction. Like, he sees the coverage, and he knows where the ball needs to be, and then the receiver goes, goes to that spot. So a, a beautiful throw. You're so right. And let's just pivot into another throw that he made. Uh, let's talk about this, this offense overall. Peaking with Zay Flowers. Um I said last week that Zay Flowers looks different from any other wide receiver the Ravens have drafted, and this week was even better. 
Um, he's got the speed. We know that. He's got the hands. We've seen that now. He can make a deep contested catch while double covered. He's able to like contort his body to where the ball's not going to hit the ground when he falls, but his back is going to control it so that he doesn't have it like bobble and hit the turf when you when you fall. And so many catches are incomplete because of that. Once the you know your your elbow or your arm or whatever hits the ground, you're not able to control the ball. He's very very good, uh, <laughs> and if he can make that type of play once a game. Um, Real potential for him as rookie of the year, or you know, awesome career Pro Bowls and all that. He just is a different player, and in space, no one can touch him, much less tackle him. He literally cannot get a finger to him in space. And I think the whole season they're just going to try to get the ball in his hands over and over and over again. But if you're expecting him to just sit on these little bubble screens so that they can get the ball. They're going to counter with the deep with the deep shot that they hit to him in this game. And so, boy, long may it continue, Jace, for Zay Flowers. Yeah, his, his uh, like, just how elusive he is, uh, it, you know, we, it's easy to make the comparisons to Hollywood Brown just because they're the exact same height <laughs> and, you know, built their games on speed to a certain degree. But he has just an elusiveness that it never seemed like, to me, it translated with Hollywood. Like, maybe Hollywood is even faster straight line, but... The way Zay Flowers moves is just, you know, he's different, as as the kids say. Uh, but that, I mean, that deep ball, and that was a beautiful throw by Lamar, too, I thought. But, uh, I mean, that was that was really exciting, especially, you know, to step up. Odell Beckham, I thought he had a great start, does, does leave this game injured about uh, a game and a quarter into his Ravens career. So, hopefully he's back sooner than later. But, uh, um you know, to to kind of step up without him, that's kind of when they got Zay involved. And then the other thing that kind of excited me, Antonio, is just like, you know, I think the way Todd Munkin works, and it didn't actually, like, work out. They ended up cashing in the touchdown on Andrews. But he catches that huge that huge touchdown or the huge 50-yard pass, and then they immediately throw him, like, two balls in a row to just, like, feed him the ball more. Uh, and so, you know, maybe, you know, after that he didn't, I think, I don't even think he touched the ball the rest of the game. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I I was in love with what I saw. I, he, he's really exciting. And, uh, yeah, portends exciting things uh, ahead for sure. So we're two games in now offensively with a group that did nothing in the preseason. The first half of the first game – Almost, uh, we can call it a disaster <laughs> offensively. <laughs> um, then looking better in the second half of the Texans game, and now looking pretty good, all things considered, against a tough opponent uh, on the road, week two. Is this? Am I? You know, am I? Am I jumping too far ahead here? But is this offense coming together a little bit ahead of schedule? Is this something that? We expected them to really be be operating smoothly by by week eight, by week ten, because com- if you compare the two games, massive leaps ahead in composure, in understanding audibles, and lack of confusion, in you know alignment pulling when they're not so, when they're not supposed to, or something like that. The the ground game looked great. Uh, Hill and Gus doing things differently, but succeeding in their own right. The receivers looked good. Um, the offensive line with two players, two starters out, obviously, arguably the two best offensive linemen of that group out. 
pretty smooth operating overall. So I'm wondering what you think uh, about sort of the the status of, of this unit after two games and uh, maybe any other, if I'm getting too, maybe too uh, <laughs> excited here. I, I need Tim. I need Tim at this point uh, to kind of say, let's, let's settle down. It was 27. They still haven't broken their 28-point uh, <laughs> streak. Yeah, 16 straight games now without scoring 28 points, which is uh, somehow a, a franchise low, high. I don't know how you want to frame that. Uh, but... Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not prepared to temper your expectations, Antonio. I, I I'm really excited, and uh, you know maybe it's sitting down and watching the Ravens for you know the first full game for me this year. But um, I think with this, well, t- to your point, like I, they nearly had one delay of game. They did end up taking a timeout. Uh, at one point, I think they would have gotten the ball off anyway. It seemed like Lamar did his classic "Why'd you call timeout?" sort of thing, but that was like the only time they even seemed to sniff having issues on that front. I think Mark Andrews' return probably helps a lot of things. Uh, he just, you know, he still ended up this game right as their their second leading receiver, um, just one yard behind. Or no, Flowers was. My apologies, but you know. Andrews gets his five catches, 45 yards, a touchdown. That big 20-yard reception we talked about. He, he helps a lot. He's one of the best tight ends uh, in the game. Um, I, I want to touch on how good the offensive line was um, uh, because that was obviously, for me, a, a huge concern. I would have almost certainly picked Bengals minus three, uh, I think, <laughs> as I'm sure you guys probably did. Or uh, if I had We to did guess. indeed. We both uh, did indeed, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, so in regards to that, I, the offensive line was obviously a, a big point of concern for me. You see, you know, Linderbaum out, Stanley out, but they were great. Uh, Lamar wasn't sacked in this game, and he was only hit once when he was in the pocket, um, you know, not as a runner. Uh, per next-gen stats, uh, in this game, Jackson faced a career-low 9.1% pressure rate. Um, so the line was awesome. The line played great and uh, against pretty solid, solid enough Bengals defense. That was really encouraging to see. Just guys stepping up. Sam Mustafer gets the start, uh, you know, at center. Patrick McCarry gets the start at left tackle. Um, I, when they, they showed the offensive line uh, lineup sort of pregame, they tweeted it out. It almost made me not excited for the game. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> what a group. But but they were awesome. And I think another credit sort of to Todd Munkin, um, per next-gen stats, who had that pressure rate number, uh, Lamar's getting rid of the ball faster than ever. He's 2.6 seconds to throw um, this year. And, you know, I think we've talked about how good, obviously, Lamar is as a quarterback, sort of. One of, you know, people focus on his running, but he is a good quarterback. He played in a pro system in college. And uh, I think he's, you know, figuring things out. Certainly it seemed like, and I think, you know, these kind of quicker passes combined with just good line play, they were able to keep him clean. And kind of like you said, when he's able, when he has some time, he's, he can be accurate. It's when he's kind of, you know, running around, shuffling around, he gets in trouble with his footwork sometimes, but you know, they kept him clean, and then I guess just the final thing for the offense, why it was so good. Lamar was awesome, <laughs> just in this game uh, in general. You know, uh, twenty-four for thirty-three, two hundred thirty-seven yards, two touchdowns, fifty-four rushing yards, and I think Antonio, this is going to be a complaint for me. Like, complaint might be a strong word, but 
Um, just something I have to sort of accept is how good he's been rushing early in his career. I always think Lamar should run more than he does, I think, now. Uh, especially in the first half of this game, I thought that he had opportunities to just take off and go and didn't take them. Um, when he could have maybe gained some yards, there was one he fumbled uh, when he should have either thrown to the flat, uh, but they kind of got bailed out by a penalty call on that. Um, but as the game went on, you know, he he ran more and more, uh, I think, when it got down to the pressure moments. And, and that sort of, I think, made the difference in this game. And obviously that was culminated, uh, as we kind of talked about, that 12-yard run on third down on the final drive. Um, so... You know, he probably he's a guy who probably could rush for 100 yards every game, but he didn't need to. And I, I thought he did kind of a good, a good job of uh, running more and more kind of as the game went on when, like, it was kind of pressure time, winning time, and, and he needed to put more on his back. I just – I thought he was great. Obviously, we talked about the two deep throws uh, that were really good. I, he, he had a great game, and, and I didn't even think – he, like, rarely even, I think, aside from that fumble that kind of got wiped out, he, like, didn't put the ball in danger at all, I felt like. So, I, I thought he was awesome. I thought he just had a great game. Yeah, comfortable, in control. I agree with you. There's so many plays where it just seems <laughs> five, six yards for there <laughs> easy. Um, but I guess he kind of picks his spots more and more. And then when it's late in the game, he just kind of rolls his eyes and says, if you guys are still giving me this, when we really need this amount of yards, I'm going to go take it. Would love to see him slide a little bit. Um, <laughs> something he really doesn't, doesn't enjoy doing. It's yeah. like a challenge of his is to avoid getting hit too hard. You could just slide too. Just take the six and then just go down and then they don't get to hit you even a little bit um, when this is a long season. But yeah, uh, a, a strong performance from him, and um, I can't wait to watch a game with you next and see how many times both of us just yell, <laughs> run, uh, when, in, the, in the middle of plays, because I, I had a few of those uh, it, it, on Sunday. It is just a joy to watch him, though. Like, there are, like, there is, like, some scramble. I didn't even gain that many yards. I forget even what it was midway through the game where I was just like, oh, my God, this guy's so enjoyable to watch. And uh, you kind of mentioned it. Sort of a uh, forgot about LJ game, I think. Uh, Lamar seven and one against the Bengals now. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, we we kind of talked about it in the lead up to the season, but it's like when Lamar Jackson plays, the Ravens win games like pretty consistently. And uh, it is, yeah, that that, yeah. that that last stat, Jace makes. I was gonna say makes no sense, but what I mean to say is, I I don't know anybody who picked the Ravens to win this game. Quite honestly. <laughs> But some of us should have. Just we like we forgot that the Ravens still have Lamar Jackson. How does that happen? How do you forget who the quarterback is and how he has done individually against a team like this, even against Joe Burrow multiple times now. So it's odd. Uh, but you know he's on he's on our team, and that's just that's just me. That's just me making a mistake there uh, with with picking with picking games. Let's turn to uh, to the defense a little bit because they have to get some credit as well here. Started. Amazingly, uh, with very quick three and outs, Cincinnati continuing their uh, just horrendous offensive execution to start the season. Little uh, little bend late late in the game, uh, a few touchdown drives, a, few, a little bit of uh, inability to cover T. Higgins, uh, you know, in different different spots. But overall, uh, a performance, Jason. You you have to take. You have to love it and accept it and take it. Uh, 24, I shouldn't even say 24 points, right? 17 points for the defense uh, against a strong 
Bengals offense on on paper certainly and and most seasons overall even though they haven't started out great yeah I I was really impressed and I think sort of what you mentioned Antonio is a conversation we've kind of been having for multiple years now about how like the Ravens defensive ranks never seem to kind of line up with like what we how we think they perform that's been going on kind of the length of the show really for a lot of seasons and I think that's just sort of like what defense is becoming in 2023 like it's so easy for these offenses I think um that you kind of just have to like it's less about like getting off the field every time and just like coming up with a few key stops and largely limiting big plays and that's what the Ravens did this game. And I think that was what was uh, really impressive. Cause like you said, the uh, second half, I thought the Bengals were moving the ball a lot, but they did get two stops. They got the Geno stone pick, which took points directly off the board for the Bengals. They probably would have gotten at least a field goal there. Uh, and they forced a three and out, which, you know, at least at the very least burn time and, uh, you know, four minutes between the two, <laughs> cause of course the Ravens immediately went three and out too, uh, between the two drives. Um, th- that was their two stops. That was the only stops they had in the second half. Otherwise the Bengals scored touchdowns <laughs> on both other, uh, possessions, but, but they did limit the big plays. Um, the Bengals averaged just 4.9 yards per play in this game. Uh, and Burrow with just 5.4 yards an attempt, which is obviously great for him. He, hung 900 yards in two games against them in 2021. Uh, so, uh, you know, to, to limit to 5.4 attempt, that's what you want. Their long pass of the day was a 32-yard sort of just dump off to Mixon where it kind of, he kind of, I guess, just kind of got lost and had a running start, got downfield. Uh, and then, you know, their long run, Mixon had a 14-yard run. <laughs> and then uh, for their big three receivers, Higgins is long was 20 yards. And as an aside, they just have had trouble with T Higgins for years. So I'm not going to be upset when he signs somewhere else next year. Um, but uh, go to, like it, the Steelers or the Browns or well, something to stay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stay in the North. Yeah. Browns have a ton of cap space. So they bring him in. That would be unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, but Higgins is long 20 yards. And then you hold Jamar chase long of 13 yards, Tyler Boyd long of 13 yards. They just didn't give up big plays. And, um, uh, per Banks of the Exit 52 podcast, don't actually know his first name. <laughs> um, Banksy, thanks. <laughs> uh, but um, for now, four games, Mike McDonald has has faced the Bengals as Ravens DC, including the playoffs. The Bengals offense hasn't eclipsed 20 points or, or 300 yards in any game. So they're good at sort of uh, in what they weren't doing in the two games where they just got pummeled in 2021 against the Bengals. Um just limiting big plays, and that's kind of what they did in this game. Uh, it, it was definitely, you know, the Bengals got moving. They were great on third down, 10 of 15 on third down, 1 and 1 on fourth down. But like I said, maybe that's just kind of defense because, in you know, defense in 2023 because the Ravens basically did the exact same thing when it came to third down on the offensive side. They were 9 for 14 on third down. So, like, neither team was getting stops on third down. So the difference kind of was in limiting big plays, and the Ravens just did that better in this game. Yeah, Jace, that's such a good point about just exp- you, ha- you have to change your expectations of what defense is in the NFL in this era and that you previously brought up the perfect example. The Ravens were in a second and 23 and kind of easily got a first down. Whereas if you go back 10 years, 20 years, if a team got into second and 23, they would just concede the drive pretty much (laughs) and hope to not commit a turnover. You'd get uh, a screen on second down and then a draw on third down. And they'd be like, wow, 
we got out of that mess. Let's punt it away, and we're going to play field position. That's on, that, that, It's like a completely different, much less fourth down, where we're not even, <laughs> n- nobody goes fourth downs. Uh, all of that has changed, and the fact that you still have a defense, yeah, the, a defense in this shape, at the end, you review, and things look pretty good, uh, considering all the different circumstances. The Geno Stone interception was great. Him running out of bounds, I thought was hilarious. Um, that was, I saw, I've seen a replay of that, Antonio. It does look like there were actually more Bengals in the vicinity to tackle Jace, him. I don't it care. Does, it Multiple did look like that. Multiple offensive linemen. Yeah, it was, it was Mixon and linemen. So I still think he had a chance to take that to the house and was confused in real time why he ran out of bounds. Actually, <laughs> he doesn't have to score, but there were at least another 20 to 30 yards of field position that he could have absolutely got. He, like, let Burrow just, like, sheep herd him to the sideline. I, I don't know. I didn't get that. I love it. Um, but a big moment for him stepping up, obviously taking the starting spot from Marcus Williams, who uh, I love that we're still in this nebulous land of whether or not he's out for 10 years, a week, or three months. We don't really know any of that yet. Um, but a great start for, for Geno Stone in a spot that the team will need him in for, for obviously a long period of time. Patrick Queen made not one, not two, but a handful of tackles out in space. Um, he has been impressive to start. Cannot wait for him to get overpaid and go somewhere else. I would love to keep him at this point, but just if he plays that way all season, it's not happening. Uh, Jadavian Clowney. Sack number one. Welcome to the club. We will see if you can get to ten. We all have our doubts. Um, just being a Ravens pass rusher. But another game for me where he was just pushing his dude back into the pocket several times. That's been great great to see. His thing is just going to be health, right? Like the, the, the talent is there. The understanding is there. Um, how many games is he going to be healthy for? And then, Jace, I, I need to like oh – boy, you know I had a fun – like football weekend when I'm starting to talk like this, but I really like Ronald Darby. <laughs> if we get to Darby, Humphrey, Rakusin, Stevens, and Washington, this, the second, the corners seem fine to me all of a sudden. And am I just way too happy and positive with this? They have enough guys. Like, I think, I think they're going to be okay from, a week ago when I thought that they were going to ask me if I was available <laughs> for some, some snaps or some special teams. Yeah, there's not super talent after Humphrey, but all we need is competence at that position and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> or am I just, we'll be back in a few weeks and I'll be saying, not a guy, I can't believe I said that out loud uh, on the air. <laughs> well, yeah, I, the, the, the long-term health of Ravens DBs is always <laughs> sort of... Uh... A waiting game. Uh, uh, you're kind of on the edge of your seat in fear uh, there. But no, I, I, th- I thought they've been impressive. And I think it, that Antonio speaks to just like the value of veteran experience. Like it's just like, oh, like Ronald Darby and Rock Yassin have like played in the NFL versus guys like the practice squad guys who Burrow lit up a few years ago. Like you're like, oh, that's the difference between like, you know, you have what I do think is a, a good scheme for, for stopping Burrow and the Bengals, it seems like, the success Mike McDonald's had, what they've been doing. Um, and, and you, like, plug these just sort of veteran guys in, and they're able to maintain. So, yeah, I, I think I certainly feel more confident. I mean, in theory, this is one of the, you know, five, four or five best offenses the Ravens will face all year. So to do what they did 
if, if, you know, obviously that's a massive knocking on wood, but if they could stay healthy relatively from here, I think they're in pretty good shape. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to also give Rocky Sin in particular a shout out for that, that end zone pass breakup of Jamar Chase. He saved four points with that play. Like, and, and you know, you, you win by three. So <laughs> that matters. Plays like that matter. And, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I was impressed with what they did. Obviously, we mentioned uh, they always seem to have trouble with Higgins. I don't know what <laughs> if that's just a size thing or, or what's going on. But, I mean, to limit Jamar Chase to what they did, I thought they had a great game. A few other things to, to talk about. Uh, maybe the funniest thing. Special teams, our worst unit on yeah, Sunday. Uh, <laughs> gave up a, a punt return touchdown uh, that was pretty bad, uh, given how it was how it was set up. And then, yeah, guess what? Justin Tucker missed a field goal. Was it 59 yards? Yes. <laughs> but when you're the GOAT, uh, there's different expectations for how you need to perform. So we'll see if Justin Tucker can uh, can improve next week and, and really nail those uh, almost 60-yard field goals with more regularity. It, it is so funny with him, Antonio, where you're just like, like trotting out, like you don't really think anything of it, and then when they say like a fifty-nine yarder, and I'm like, that's a really long kick. <laughs> like, it's like nearly sixty-yard field goal, and so I kind of wondered in the moment. I was like, should they have like attempted that because a fifty-nine-yard field goal? You know, he misses. They give good field position, but the defense did force the three and out immediately after that. So it kind of ended up being no harm, no foul. Of course, the offense didn't do anything, and then that's when we get this punt return, which was the first allowed by the Ravens since 2016, uh, per Jonah Schaffer. Uh, Jeff Zarebic said the Bengals hadn't had a punt return TD in over a decade since 2012. So uh, not great, you know, good news, bad news. Um, they shouldn't give up a punt return TD next week, so kind of hope that you got it out of your system. But yeah, that was... The, the, the punt return was just so demoralizing, too, in the moment, because... <clears throat> You know, they end this first half, they're up 13-10, to 10, but they have a 17-4 advantage in first downs. They're up uh, 225-63 to 63 yards in the first half, and you're up by three points because you give up this stupid punt return. <laughs> when you're at minimum, you should have entered with a 10-point lead. Uh, and that's shooting yourself in the foot right at the end of the half. You could have gone into halftime like up 17-3 to three or something. But So that was just very annoying, but you know... I, they'll bounce back. I, uh, I'm i not too worried about the Ravens' special teams, but that was just such a... In the moment, you're like, this is how they lose this game. They're dominating them, and then they give up a punt return to Charlie Jones. <laughs> how does this happen? Uh, another positive, um, at least going from one week to the next, the Ravens cutting down their penalties from 13 in week one <laughs> to only six in week two. Um Hey, Jay, speaking of flags, uh, I have one, <laughs> one other thing to go over. I need to know what the referee discussions are when they just pick up flags thrown by other referees. Uh, like, oh, oh, that thing you saw? Yeah, I was also looking at that, and you're very wrong. I, I just, I don't understand. It wasn't an obvious block in the back. It wasn't a glaring call that they made and then took picked up. But I've seen it called. I've seen that <laughs> called as a block in the back. So to throw a flag and then pick it up with not having any sort of clarity of, of whose judgment trumped who's there when in theory they're all looking at different things anyway. Like they're all supposed to be looking at different parts of the field. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It, it didn't hurt us too bad in the end. But um, 
It's just funny. It's just the funniest thing when they just talk for half an hour and then say, nope, never mind. <laughs> and one side ends up furious. Uh, and then the last thing I, I wanted to touch on was Joe Burrow re-aggravating uh, the calf injury that he had in the uh, over the summer. Um, I think it was bothering him at least a little even earlier in this game. I am not sure that he has been at 100% since the NFL season started. He's just... For how good he is, he was missing too many throws yesterday. I mean, maybe even if guys weren't, like, wide open, but just the ball was not where he is able to do it in and out, in and out, every play, every drive. And then he had, you know, he has the sort of, like, the, the um, pressure in, in his face, and he's kind of trying to avoid it, and then he tweaks it again. You see him with the uh, uh, little, like, massage gun or whatever it's called on, on his calf. I'm very curious to see how he and the Bengals – handle that calf moving forward because if he keeps playing week in week out it is not going to go away on its own like that that is something that needs extended period of rest and they're owing two so they can't really rest them at this point but also they kind of have to look ahead like they're they're in kind of a, a tough position if he's at like 85 percent in all these games and just waiting for it to kind of flare up flare up again at some point so you know, couldn't be us. Uh, we have our own uh, own injuries to deal with outside of the quarterback position, but even even with the quarterback position, but um, that's certainly a, a tough spot for them in, in kind of how to navigate this this type of injury. Yeah, they might be in more trouble than last year. So last year they do start zero and two. I was reminded that listening to podcasts this week. Uh, leading up to this game that I'd forgotten Burrow had an appendectomy last summer, like also during training camp and missed like a lot of camp. And he came back for the start of the season, had that weird, he threw like four interceptions against the Steelers in that very strange week one game. Um, so yeah, the Bengals started 0-2. Burrow just in general weirdly stinks at the beginning of the season every year. Uh, so per ESPN stats and info, he's now 1-7 in the first two weeks of the NFL season with 12 TDs and nine picks. Um but unlike last year, kind of, as I was starting to say, like, I do think they're in more trouble this year because, like, for exactly what you said, like, if this calf injury lingers, like, they need him <laughs> to be good. He's obviously, uh, before, I believe, you know, as today as we record, Patrick Mahomes was remade, I believe, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But for about five days, Burrow was the highest paid player uh, in the NFL. And they're paying him handsomely uh, going forward here. And they need him. He's key to what they do. And they don't get a rest, really. Like, they're, they're playing the Rams on Monday Night Football. Uh, this, You know, a Super Bowl 56 rematch. Aaron Donald, uh, the Rams have seemed a lot more competent and good, I think, this year than maybe some people were expecting. So that's that's not going to be, I think, a walk in the park for them. So so I, I think they're in real danger of falling to 0-3, and then basically almost no teams come back from 0-3 starts to, to make the playoffs. So it's pretty – I mean, 0-2, it's, your chances aren't great. But, yeah, I don't know. I think they're in trouble, and I'm glad, I'm glad we beat them because, you know, <laughs> uh, we kind of talked about this Ravens schedule getting all their road AFC North games out of the way in the first five weeks of the season or whatever. Um these are going to be like some of your hardest games and and on on paper at Bengals is probably your one of the games you assume is going to be a loss so to escape with a win i think it just kind of sets you up for, for a good season ahead and this ravens themselves kind of said that morgan moses sort of alluded to that you know he was like we still got to take care of business and stuff but like this was a big one and i think like 
we mentioned like that the, the way they celebrated <laughs> Harbaugh, especially on the sideline, you know, this one meant a lot to them. The way the last few games against the Bengals have gone and just to win on the road in Cincinnati, it's huge. The Bengals schedule. Yeah, after the Rams Monday night, then they go at Tennessee. Tennessee, they've looked okay, at least defensively. They've been strong over two games. Then they go at Arizona, okay. Then it's home to Seattle, at San Francisco, home to Buffalo. That is, that's a tough few months uh, to, to kick off your season. And, yeah, they, they finish strong, but they're playing that first-place schedule. You know, it, it's unforgiving uh, for, the, for the teams that, that finished first in the year before, but... Um, you can only fall behind so many games um, and still try to have a, a chance to grab one of those top top seeds. But let's go around the NFL, Jace. Let's look at some other some other teams, some other games. And uh, oh boy, after a, a <laughs> mediocre week one, the league they really added some juice to the script on page two, Jace. You flip the page and you wow, this is this is really where things heat up. Two overtime games, a hail mary. 21, a 21 point second half comeback and 10 one score football games all in one week. Uh, pick, pick your favorites of, uh, of the script. Oh boy. I mean, there were some crazy games. So, you know, because I'm a Raven sicko, I lock in, I lock in on the the early (laughs) games and I kind of have to catch up after the fact because, because I'm checking ESPN just looking at the box scores and I'm like, there's two games in overtime when I'm like watching the nervously watching the Ravens trying to close this close this out. I mean, those games were crazy. I, you know, the Chargers 0 and 2, just a classic classic Chargers out of the gate. Uh, you know, I think there's real questions being raised about Brandon Staley. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's. I haven't really perused them, but I'm sure there's some hot take segments about Justin Herbert as the winner uh, going on today. <laughs> Uh, and, and then the Seahawks Lions game was just bonkers. I mean, they they played one of the wild wilder games last year. This was actually lower scoring than what they did last year, and, uh, also in Detroit. But uh, I think the Lions are going to be entertaining. Uh, the Seahawks seem like they're you know it was a good bounce back win for them. Uh, Tyler Lockett's great, uh, but the, for me, I, the game of the day, the one I watched the most was the Commanders, uh, our, our other local team, so the one uh, that was on CBS following the Ravens game, and so if you had linear TV like I was using uh, yesterday, uh, your only option was to watch the Commanders game in the late window, so I watched a lot of this game, and you know, you don't see... It looked like they were in trouble. They, they barely win week one. They're down 18 points to the Broncos, and you say... Okay, you know, Russell Wilson and company, maybe they didn't look great in week one, but they've they found something now. He hit a few bombs, uh, and it just seemed like Washington had no answers. Uh, and then the comeback begins. They erase an 18-point deficit, and then they go up by 11. <laughs> and you say, like, you're like, wow, uh, they really, you know, put... Uh, you, you, just, you just don't see that in the NFL a lot. From 18 down to over 10 up, you're like, wow, well, that... What a turn, this game. Yeah, and you're like, maybe the Commanders are something. And then they, of course, give up a multi-deflection Hail Mary. <laughs> and then uh, just get away with a very blatant uh, pass interference on the what turned out to the pivotal two-point conversion the Broncos needed to tie the game. Um, the Broncos don't get it, still lose. Kind of an anticlimactic, get the Hail Mary and still lose. You know, Not one they'll be talking about, I think, in years to come, but just sort of a... Uh, I ran him aside after the fact, but that game was just really entertaining. And, 
you know, they they mentioned on the uh, I saw on Twitter going around that it was like the most points Washington scored in since 2020, I believe, um, and like the most points just from their offense offense points since I believe like 2011 or something. It'd been like, or it's the first time since 2011 they're two and zero. So obviously excitement high in Washington land, and uh, um, I think playing into their comeback was just uh, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, you know, he leads. This 30, 35 point output for, for Washington, uh, they hang on and win. But the Chiefs, you know, they win this week, but 17 points in Jacksonville after 20 points. You know, maybe they miss, maybe they miss Eric Bieniemy a little bit. So that was that was my game of the day, just for the wild swings. You had Broncos dominating, Commanders looking like they're dominating, and then just this bizarre hail mary that that made me truly gasp sitting here watching it. Uh, it, it was it was it was really entertaining all the way around. Yeah, I I, I watched the Bills. That was a team that that I noticed just to see how they would bank uh, bounce back from the ridiculous loss that they had week one uh, against the Jets where Josh Allen just single-handedly decided that he wanted to see what the Jets could do uh, over and over and over again with the football, so he kept giving it back to them. They're back. They're going to be fine. They had just the most classic performance against a mediocre team, just kind of blowing them out of the water offensively and defensively. As this AFC East kind of starts to take shape, right? Like a a little bit of separation. I mean, I know it's two games, but if you look at the four teams now, there's two that are going to be very good battling for those the, the top spot, and then the other two that are just going to be floating around, um, potentially looking for a top ten, <laughs> top ten draft pick. Um, the Patriots, boy, I mean, I've you know you love to see it, but they they <laughs> are maddening to watch offensively. It is so pedestrian it's so slow it takes so long to move up and down the field there's just no burst there's no big play you know it's just everything is four yards here and six yards there and two yards back and then seven yards forward and I think that's what that offense is going to look like the entire season I have no reason to believe it just all of a sudden just going to get explosive um and the Miami Dolphins look look impressive you know obviously going two and oh and Winning two different types of games is, is good for, for a team early on, but um, we'll be curious to see uh, how the Bills and Dolphins look as we go forward. Oh, my God, Giants, uh, NFL football <laughs> Giants, just deciding we don't need to score points in NFL football games and then realizing they do and then just being able to do so immediately, <laughs> very quickly, and coming back from 21 points down in the second half on the road to beat what is one of the worst teams uh, in the NFL, but but still, are you watching any of that one, Jace? Yeah, I mean that was crazy because uh, yeah, you said it. First half, you are thinking the Giants might be the worst team in football. They're coming off a forty to nothing loss to the Dallas Cowboys at home to open the season, and then you know you go down twenty one points to the Cardinals, who are starting Josh Dobbs, who looked great. <laughs> And, you know, Daniel Jones has like a pick and you just, it looks just so bad. And you're like, oh my God, I thought the Giants, you know, I wasn't necessarily saying the Giants were going to make the playoffs, but, but this team makes the playoffs last year. And you think you're like, yeah, their schedule's a little harder. They got lucky a little bit. Maybe there's some regression, but there's also a path year two under Brian Dable to get better, but they just looked awful. But then, yeah, to turn it around, 
Uh, Antonio, this match, their largest comeback uh, since 1949. It's it's tied it's tied for the team record comeback, 21 points. And then, yeah, they did it back in the 40s when there were like eight teams in the NFL or something. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously for them, what you want uh, not to be 0-2 with a loss to one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Cardinals. You know, they've looked plucky. Uh, I don't think their management necessarily is upset with the results since I think their goal of this season is to get multiple top three draft picks from them and the Texans. Uh, and they might succeed. Um, but yeah, that that was that was probably... That was just crazy. I mean, you mentioned, I was going to say that was the craziest game of the late slate, but the Commanders game is going on at the same time. And that ends with a Hail Mary and a game-tying two-point conversion attempt so yeah it was it was just a wild day uh in the nfl i, I agree with you i think the bills I, that was overreaction to week one being you know ryan rasillo has mentioned when teams play in prime time the results get exponentially blown out of proportion the bills are going to be fine i do think the jets are in trouble that was every bit what i think everyone expected from zach wilson and he delivered <laughs> in the bad way so they i don't think they're going to be a real factor here and, and like people are like oh they got to make a trade it's like great for who anyone good is not trading you their quarterback even a team like the vikings are probably not trading you kirk cousins midseason. like i just don't see it happening um uh and, and then just to touch on the patriots the thing that stands out to me with them, Antonio, is Mac Jones might be the worst like mover at the quarterback position in the entire league. With like some of these old guys having cycled out, like Matt Ryan and Flacco's not on a team, and uh, you know Roethlisberger's not kicking around. Uh, most quarterbacks are pretty mobile these days, and just Mac Jones just is not. He just cannot move, and and. I think he's fine. Like, I don't think he's the worst QB in the NFL, but he is just making nothing happen with his legs. And it's just, like, such an obvious thing holding their offense back, like you said. Like, I think they're just going to be this sort of plotting outfit because he's giving you nothing. <laughs> nothing on the ground. He can't create. Like, he, he just can't create because he can't move. And uh, it does seem like they're going to be in the quarterback market. And if they're, you know, as bad as they seem like they may have the potential to be, it's going to be very upsetting if they have the opportunity to draft a Drake May type or even, dare I say, a Caleb Williams type atop the draft next year. So um, it's something to monitor just how bad can the Patriots be, sort of. Uh, it'll be interesting. One other team uh, I want to touch on is the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. who <laughs> just booked their ticket to the NFC Championship game because they're <laughs> – very good, and Brock Purdy <laughs> is good. is is good enough, I guess. You know, seven and zero now in his career as a starter. Five games last year, and now two and zero to start the year. D- doesn't he? I don't. He's not flashy. He doesn't have gigantic box scores, but he is accurate. He is composed. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he gets the ball to his super talents all over the field. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess their game was relatively close against the Rams. They win by a touchdown, but um, one that really they're up by 10 for large stretches of. Um, that's on the road, kind of, technically, <laughs> in, in, in L.A., 2-0 and now. And I just, it looks it looks like and it smells like like a 13-win, 14-win uh, football team. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm yeah. jealous of the talent that the team has on both sides of the ball. I, my my doubting of Brock Purdy has pro- proven faulty, and uh, 
I just have to own it. Yeah, they're gonna. You said like if they're not playing in the Super Bowl, they're gonna be in the NFC title game yet again. I just there's just no path for them to not. I feel like. Um. Yeah, that's it. That's it from the NFL. Uh, let's turn now back back to the Ravens. An interesting matchup, one that I'm a little bit confused confused with. I, I don't know just how how to take it. So it's good that I'm on a podcast and can ask uh, Chase some questions to to help me out with it. Ravens seven and a half point favorites back at the bank against the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to start this way, Jace. I, I think there's two ways. <clears throat> excuse me, two ways to look at this Colts team um, through two weeks. They're either greatly improved from week one to week two. Uh, Anthony Richardson is learning very quickly. He's growing. He's got talent. He's able to do some nice little things. Or <laughs> The Colts are a bad team, and they played a worse team in Week 2 in the Houston Texans that was out 10 starters, and the Colts look much better because of it. And so they have this uh, one-and-one record that kind of is just generous because they played a practice squad NFL franchise. So starting there, what is the pulse for you uh, of this Colts team? Yeah, I I think a little more... No, I don't want to say concerned about this game because I do think the Ravens will win. But, uh, you know, I think so much has been paid, and rightfully so, to the quarterback position there and just the rotating sort of cast of characters they've had, Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan last year. Um, but it kind of obscured, the, like, the reason they kept cycling through quarterbacks is that this was a team that had a, that does have a lot of good players that believe they could win now. <laughs> That was like why Matt Ryan was there and why Carson Wentz was brought in and and Philip Rivers was there a few years ago. Like like you know this this is still a team that has a lot of talent and you remember it when you watch like DeForest Buckner get this game ending sack yesterday and you're like oh yeah he's a good player and like Quentin Nelson might be banged up I, I don't know if he played but like he's an all pro guard if he's healthy and, and uh, they do have like some talent uh, kicking around so I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that they like look more competent than the Texans who are you're you're right like I, what are they they were down like three four starting offensive linemen already <laughs> like week two with a rookie quarterback like the Texans hit about as low as you can go so um it, it's not to overrate I think what the Colts did but you know I I don't think this is a pushover by any means I think the Ravens need to take a, obviously a serious approach. I, I think with most teams in the NFL these days, like there's no easy wins kind of as we talked about with the giants and just a few minutes ago, like even the perceived worst teams are pretty good. So, so I do think the Colts are better than the Texans. Uh, but I think if the Ravens are able to sort of replicate their own performance from last week, I don't think they should have too many problems. So taking that exact point, let's go to the Ravens offense against the Colts defense, can we just rinse and repeat from what we saw in that Bengals game? Get your scope players involved early. Split carries between Hill and Edwards. You know, it was interesting. Melvin Gordon active for this second game. Zero carries. And I am okay with that. I mean, I got. I, I don't have anything actually against this, this player. It's just I don't want to go back to the like the 30-year-old running back who we just got 10 days ago. I want our guys. I want our dudes, our talented players that we signed or drafted. Uh, so I want to see. Let's split the carries between Hill and Edwards. You know, let them let them do, you know, run plays that are designed to their specific skill set. And Lamar, have the same game. Consistent, 
finding your spots, not turning the ball over, looking to run when it's there, looking to run when I shout run while watching <laughs> the game on television. Um, but getting a little bit more specific, Jace, what, what do you like or what, what do you see from this Ravens offense um, to, to kind of capitalize and score touchdowns? Well, so early returns, Indianapolis has the 29th ranked pass defense through two games. Obviously a very small sample size, but CJ Stroud, you know, he had some success through the air. Now, you could also argue a lot of that might have been a garbage time when the Colts took a took a real big lead when they were up 28 to 10, right? Um, so, uh, you know, how much can you take away from that? Uh, but I do think there's opportunities to pass. Um, and so, obviously, I think some focus will be on the health of Odell Beckham. We kind of mentioned he uh, exited at some point during the second quarter with an ankle injury. Uh, per Ian Rappaport, uh, after the game, Harbaugh described it as minor. <laughs> Take that one for what you will. Great. And then Rappaport added, my understanding is Beckham is managing the issue, and if all goes well, it shouldn't affect his availability going forward. So it seems like he can play, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what to to, med- to make of any Ravens injuries uh, on any front, uh, as we've I think discussed many times on the show. As you as you said, Antonio, we don't even know if Marcus Williams is out for the year yet. Uh, somehow, multiple weeks after his injury, so uh, you know, hopefully Odell's back. I think that would make things a little better. Uh, we kind of mentioned it; they still have this streak of not scoring twenty eight points, but I think that has the potential to change. I think they could kind of. I, I think there's opportunities in this game. Um, you know, they play well at home generally. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I think they follow the blueprint. I don't see any reason why Lamar shouldn't have a great game if he's just, you know, smart with the ball and doesn't doesn't force anything. Like, we, we saw Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar. Like, that's a pretty okay. Rashad Bateman had a few catches sprinkled in. You know, it, it, the receiving core is just in so much of a better place, even if Beckham isn't 100% good to go than it was last year. So... I'm confident. Uh, you know, I don't think the Colts have anything especially strong on the back end that concerns me. Might be a little harder to run. They're decent uh, decent against the run so far this year, seventh. Um, so, but, you know, Ravens have the fifth-ranked rushing attack, so in theory they should win that matchup too so far. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Rinse and repeat. Uh, hopefully everyone stays healthy and they should, they should have a fine day offensively. Would love to see at least one lineman come back just – for my own sanity, to get healthy uh, Ravens starters back in the fold. I'm not going to hold my breath, though, <laughs> until uh, until I hear it or see it. Uh, let's look at the Ravens defensively against the Colts' offense. Anthony Richardson honestly has looked better than I thought he would at this state, uh, at this point in his, his career with so little college playing experience. Uh, obviously, some stuff is just simplified, and, and he still has the more than occasional throw that just misses misses the mark pretty badly, but has done some really good things uh, and had two rushing touchdowns in their game against the Texans before, um, I, I guess, self-reporting a concussion, which good for him because the concussion seems to have happened on the second touchdown run. He hits his, the back of his head um, falling, but then he continues to play. So obviously it wasn't something that was noticed by anyone around him and he had to be the one to say look look there's something going on here so good on him for for doing that and then he missed the rest of the game so now there's obviously a lot of things are up in the air Um, we will probably not know his status until friday or even saturday or even sunday you know it's all about taking the the 
steps of, of coming back from that and everything changes from one day to the next. So for now, we don't know. Gardner Minshew is the, is the backup. Still no Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Their big go-to playmaker is Michael Pittman Jr., who has 16 catches in two games. So it, it's it's going to one dude uh, through the air, really, uh, at this state. So, Jason, I'll put it this way. who you know Which quarterback are you more concerned with? If Richardson plays... There's obviously that just that little streaky like oh he's on a roll with on the ground he's breaking tackles we can't get off the field on third downs whereas Minshew is going to be obviously he's more polished he's a veteran at this point but he's going to score 20 points and that's <laughs> it and everything is he's going to probably make take a few bad sacks or make a make a few bad throws so it's almost like do you want the sure mediocrity or the boom or bust quarterback going up against you. Yeah, that's what's so interesting because it's like I think the path for the biggest blowout victory for the Ravens involves Richardson playing and just having like a, like a rookie QB like four pick game. <laughs> uh, but but because you know it, it's just the mystery of him like how good he can be and, and the rushing ability. I would feel more comfortable as a Ravens fan if they played Gardner Minshew just because you know I, I, I Richardson has tools that do make him. Like, that's why he was drafted in the top five. He has these tools that just no one's really seen in a guy his size uh, with the, the speed, the arm, all that. And if they can tap into it with Shane Steichen, their their coach, who obviously has helped transform Jalen Hurts into a great player, um, you know, I just, it'd be, I'd prefer to just face Minshew. As you mentioned, we know what Minshew is. Ravens have faced him at least once before. I don't know if they faced him twice, but yeah, he's not going to turn the ball over that much, but he doesn't take huge risks <laughs> either. Uh, he kind of is what he is. He's fine. He's a good player. I'm, I'm always kind of surprised every time Gardner Minshew shows up that he isn't someone's starter because he's one of those guys that seems like he is good enough to start. Like, like it seems like he should just be the Cardinal starter this year instead of Josh Dobbs. But, uh, you know, that's why the Colts got him to back up their rookie QB. So I'd feel more comfortable with Minshew. But that being said, you know, we saw the Richardson touchdown runs, but the Texans don't have a linebacking core of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, who, like you said, uh, I believe made like a ton of good just open field tackles and I thought looked really good. I thought Patrick Queen actually popped way more than Roquan Swim, uh, Smith did in Sunday's game. But I won't be surprised if Roquan has huge, another huge sort of game because uh, he's capable of that. Um so, so I think they could kind of keep him in check. And we should just say Ravens, after beating C.J. Stroud week one, 22-7 and seven against rookie quarterbacks under John Harbaugh. So I guess that's a roundabout way to say I'm not, I'm not too concerned either way, no matter who gets the start for the Colts. I, just, I think they're just too – you kind of mentioned it with Pittman. Like, they just don't have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball anymore. Like, their line is okay, I guess. They have a few guys, but – you know Taylor's not there, <laughs> and you know the 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 running the receivers aren't what they are. So, um, I, I think the Ravens after after handling Burrow and that collection of receivers, I, I'm not too worried um, as long as like they, you know, keep their head mentally in the game, all that kind of stuff. Don't don't blow things, uh, that sort of deal. Um, I think it'd be easier to face Minshew, um, but I'm not too concerned if they have to go against Richardson just based on their prior success against rookie quarterbacks. If this were you know, negative me talking, I would say you get the hard-fought road win against a division foe, and then you fall flat in the next game at home against a team you should beat handily. 
But this is not that team. Uh, they have done that very rarely with the, the Lamar Jackson offense, and I don't think it happens this this week. I'm going to go into the picks, Jason, then you can hit whatever else, you know, whatever intangibles uh, you want to hit. My intangible is I have a hunch special teams will play better <laughs> this week than they did the week before. Um, but yeah, so to the to the gambling section here, uh, I went one and two last week. I won my Bucks pick. I lost the Ravens pick. That, that's on me. That's on me. Uh, and then I lost the Packers pick somehow. I don't. I still haven't fully understand understood what happened at the end of that Packers Falcons game. That was a mess. If you want to go back and look at the highlights there. Um, so one and two uh, last week. I did say uh, beware of week two. It, it gets me every year. Week two does. Um, so two and two on the year for an uh, three and three and three. I wrote down two and two, but I believe I'm actually three and three on the year now. It's kind of the same same thing anyway. This week I'm taking the Ravens minus seven and a half. I think there's too much talent discrepancy uh, with a home team uh, in Baltimore. I think Richardson plays, and if he does play, he has multiple turnovers, uh, makes some mistakes, gets rattled a little bit by the by the home crowd. Um, the Baltimore home crowd. And if Minshew plays, he scores 20 points, and the Ravens cover cover that anyway, by getting to 28 points, or maybe even 30 points, dare I say. So I'm taking them. Um, I'm also going to take uh, a, a three-team, six-point tease. Uh, didn't do a tease last week, so we've got to bring that, bring that back into the fold. Um, and I'm taking the Cowboys at minus four and a half at the Cardinals. Yep. Yes, uh, I'm going to double down. <laughs> I'm going to double down on the Ravens. Uh, obviously, if I think they're covering seven and a half, I think they can cover one and a half very easily at home. Uh, and then I'm taking the Jags minus one and a half um, at home against the Texans. It's almost like the same game. It's almost like a better quarterback going against a rookie quarterback and a team without a lot of talent. They both have the same line. I'm putting them in this tease. I love those numbers at less than a field goal and I think the Cowboys are going to trounce Arizona so that that is a tease that I am very uh, intrigued by just for the listener out there and then the final pick I don't love this one but I'm making it (laughs) it's Bills minus six and a half at the Commanders Uh, I think this will be the game where with DC being two and oh this is the come back down to earth game for the Commanders and they play a, a, a significantly higher level uh, of talent in terms of the Bills, and the Bills win this, you know, by by double digits and kind of do what they did uh, against the Raiders. So I'm taking the Bills minus six and a half. Yeah, so I am two and two on the year after Week One. I kind of did a bonus pick, and it ended up being the Bills losing to the Jets somehow, <laughs> even though they were up ten without Aaron Rodgers in that game. Um, very confusing. Um, so I didn't make picks last week. Almost certainly would have picked the Bengals, so I would have joined you all there uh, with a loss. But 2-2 two two on the year. I am also going with Ravens uh, minus 7.5, Antonio. I feel weirdly comfortable with it, you know. Um, I I didn't think about the trap game potential. You did kind of uh, sprinkle that into my head a little bit because their next game, we should say, for the Ravens is at Browns <laughs> um, and then followed by at Steelers. So this is definitely... Uh, and then they go to London. So this is definitely like quote, the easiest game on your schedule for the next month. (laughs) Uh, So I guess there was some minor trap game potential. 
but I'm not too worried about it. I think the bank is going to be rocking, uh, coming home 2-0 after beating the Bengals. Uh, and, you know, fans always get in their feels uh, in, in Baltimore when we play the Colts. Uh, and I believe the last time the Colts were in town was uh, that crazy Monday Night Football comeback uh, game, which obviously if the Ravens need to do that, they won't cover 7.5. <laughs> but uh, I still think they will in this case. As I said, 22-7 and against rookie QBs if Richardson plays. Uh, this would be his biggest test so far because so far his games uh, have been at home, um, you know, at, at home against the Jags and then on the road at Houston, which has to have close to the lowest attendance in the league the last few years, uh, the way the Texans have been run. Um, so he'll face a different kind of environment, and I'm pretty confident in the Ravens in that, even if he plays. Um, my other picks, I'm going with Patriots minus two at the Jets. Look, I don't love the Pats. I explained I don't like... Uh, I'm not a big Mac Jones fan, but that being said, the Pats are 0-2. They're not going winless. <laughs> They're going to get some wins. And uh, there's no team Bill Belichick likes to beat more than the Jets. They've beaten the Jets 14 straight times, have not lost to the Jets since the 2015 season. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think they keep it up. I think they cover it. I think they get their first win on the year because I do think the Patriots are still a talented team. You know, I think that defense is good. Then they've lost two straight one-score games, I think, eventually at home. Uh, you know, maybe get on the road, uh, just get a W, get in the win column, ease the pressure. And then uh, I am taking the Cowboys just straight up at their 10.5 point spread, minus 10.5. Uh, <laughs> He's not afraid. I'm not afraid. Um, in recent years, it seems like the Cowboys have been one of the teams that just – like, I don't think there's been a team that crushes bad teams more than the Cowboys. They're kind of front runners in that respect. They seem to just pile on uh, these games uh, against bad teams. And, and like I, we talked about, the Cardinals have been a little friskier, but I think the Cowboys are, A, really good. <laughs> I think the, there's a chance the Cowboys might be one of the three best teams, certainly in the NFC, uh, maybe even better than the Eagles. And um, that crowd's going to be 50 to 75%. Cowboys fans it is every time they play out in Arizona so uh it's not really even going to be a road game so I'm pretty comfortable with that 10 and a half I know it's a big number but the Cowboys take it to bad teams and you know they win their first game 40 to nothing and they won yesterday 30 to 10 so uh I'm pretty confident that the Cowboys uh will will pummel yet another not that good team and uh get wildly overrated before yeah they lose to the 49ers in the divisional round (laughs) of the playoffs again Jason, I want to go back to one game because it's uh, it's fascinating. That Patriots game, minus two, I like your pick on that at first. And then I started to think, how are the Patriots going to score at all uh, against that Jets defense? And then I thought, wait, how are the Jets going to score at all with that uh, with that quarterback play against New England? Well, and- The over-under is 37.5. Uh, 37. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of the lowest numbers I've ever seen. And yet, if you could get it at like 37.5 and, and go under, I don't know, 16-13, that's 16-10, well, seems I, very doable. I should say, the last time these two teams played, uh, the Patriots won at home 10-3, if you remember, on a walk-off punt return touchdown. <laughs> so they didn't score, so that's a good point. That's a good point by you, Antonio. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the points might be at a premium uh, in this game because, yeah, the the Jets' defense is good. I think that's also a takeaway. You know, they hold Dallas in that second half uh, or their last four possessions, just four straight field goals, and that was after, you know, Zach Wilson was suddenly – they tried to 
come back and he was just tossing up picks late in the game. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be low scoring. So maybe that is the play, just under. <laughs> Whatever the number is, yeah. just go under. Boy, that I might is that at the same time as the Ravens game? I might have to watch that just for the like futility of it, uh, back and forth over and over again. No, that's a one o'clock as well. So, all right, we will see. That's a great, a great game, a great pick. Good luck, to, good luck to you uh, on that one. Um, anything else, Jace? Before we uh, before we close up here. No, uh, it was great to do the show today. Great to talk about a Ravens win. As I said, uh, going into the season, I was more excited for this season that I was for Eddie in a long time. And then uh, four of our like six highest paid players got hurt in week one <laughs> and we lost your starting running back for the year. So my, my excitement was tempered a little bit, but watching this game, you know, as long as we keep number eight upright, the Ravens are going to be in the mix. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I still don't think this team will win the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see. Um, but I, they're going to be competitive. They're going to compete for the playoffs and they're going to be fun to watch as long as Lamar Jackson's there. So it was a great week one, most excited I've been and happiest I've been and most fired up I've been over a win. I don't know. I was trying to think, I was like, I liked when they beat the Steelers last year, but that game stunk. <laughs> so I looked it up, 16-14 final score. Uh, so that wasn't a good game. So it, it's it's arguably been two years since I was as excited about a victory. So, uh, you know, it's uh, th- this was great. It was, it was a great week, too. And, uh, yeah, let's keep it up. Let's, be, let's beat the Colts in what I hope is a drama-free Sunday afternoon. Perfectly said. Just take care of business. It's at home. It's a rookie quarterback. Take care of business. For Jay Evans, uh, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to us, listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.